Welcome to the Discovery Doc Podcast, where we advocate for optimal wellness and reducing everyday toxic loads, no matter where life takes you. I'm Dr. Cece, doctor in nursing practice, self-proclaimed toxin tamer, and a crunchy mama. I'm Anna Kate, a medical mystery overachiever and your discovery liaison. Join us on this exciting journey as we explore the world of holistic health, cutting edge research, and practical solutions for a healthier life. Together, we'll navigate through the complexities of wellness, sharing valuable insights, and expert advice. Tune in to the Discovery Doc Podcast. Get ready to be inspired, empowered, and discover a whole new way of looking at your health. Welcome back to the Discovery Doc Podcast. I'm here with your host, Dr. Cece, functional medicine nurse practitioner, self-proclaimed toxin tamer, and crunchy mama of soon-to-be-four, hey, and my co-host... I'm Anna Kate, your medical mystery overachiever and discovery liaison. And again, we have another gorgeous face. I like all of our friends. I really do. Cause she has all- girl crushes. She's I married. Know. Don't worry. She's not a harm, but I'm, I love my husband and he, I absolutely adore him, but all of our guests are hot. I'm sorry. Every time we have a guest on there, they she's are. like, go look at them guys. Go on YouTube. Look at that beautiful pretty smile. face. Look, she's lighting up. So if you're not watching, if you're just listening to this on where you listen to podcasts, go on over to YouTube. And check out this other gorgeous face over here. Yes, she smiled and lit up the screen. I yes, I was about to make a word up. Ex- finish the word for me. You're making the word. I'm good. I'm, I'm not even gonna good. say it. Okay, guys, this is Isabel. We are so excited to have Isabel with us. Trust us, it has been a work in progress to get ourselves together, but we got here. And we, Isabel is a registered dietitian who takes a functional, integrative, and more holistic approach, not only to your gut health, but also to balance hormones and allergies and so, so, so much more. We are so excited to have you, Isabel. Can you please tell our community who you are, your background, how you ended up here with us today? Thank you for having me. Um, and thank you for the the love about my smile. Um, I um, I love what I do. So so meeting other wonderful ladies doing, you know, helping the world to be a healthier, happier place is like such a gift, even though my schedule is crazy and it was hard to get me here. But we got here. We're here um, behind the scenes. I'm working on that. Um, but I'm an integrative registered dietitian. Um, you know, I have actually wanted to do what I'm doing mm-hmm. since I was 11. Um, I'll be 36 in December. And I, um, you know, life is such an interesting, twisted road, right? So when I was 11, somebody came and spoke in my classroom. She'd had an eating disorder and, you know, was talking about the power of healing through food. And I just remember being like, oh, wow, I've never thought about food as like actually being able to heal. And um, so that sort of like sparked my interest. That's sort of like what, you know, was the jump off point for me and thinking about college and what I would study. And at age 11. And, um, you know, fast forward, I worked in the clinical setting, I was trained in oncology and spent a lot of time, you know, clinically. Um, And I loved the hospital. I loved really like acute complicated cases. I just thrived in that setting, but I knew that I couldn't help people the way I wanted to help them um, by staying and working in hospitals and giving and sure. And, you know, do you want cheese or not cheese on your burger? Miss, you have stage four, you know, breast cancer. So 10 years ago, I started my practice. Um, she'll be 10, which is really exciting. Um, yeah, it's really, um, and you know, 
um, I've done so many fun and interesting and creative things in the practice, consulted for really cool, you know, ventures and sort of changed as over time. But what's been consistent is my desire to really dig deep on people who may be told by their doctor that, sorry, there's nothing more we can do, or, you know, we're just not sure. Um, if I could tell you how many people and you guys too, I'm sure get a, my doctor says I'm fine and I feel like trash and my labs are fine. And, um, I don't know what to do, but I can't get out of bed in the morning. My hair's falling out and my cycle is irregular. I have clots the size of small children coming out of me and, um, I'm bloated all the time. Right. Like, right. It's like, if we had a jar with nickels for the amount of yeah. times we heard that. Right. So I didn't necessarily start out wanting to um, or like advertising that these were the types of people that I saw. But what I, over time, you know, was like, I, you know, those types of people gravitated towards us because um, I don't stop looking. Yeah. Right. Amen. So I'm like, oh, okay. So we've addressed that. What else is behind the scenes? What, what else is behind the scenes? I find a lot of practitioners and this just like makes me dumbfounded. They're like, I don't know where else to go. And it's like, what? In this day and age, that's really a, a, a responsible yeah. way to answer somebody, right? It's like, okay, like if the person doesn't want to continue to dig, that's one thing, right? That's one thing. And that's right. That's their prerogative. But on, on our behalf as the practitioners, right? It's like, okay, so we've checked that. We've checked that. We've checked that. What There's else? always more things for us to look at behind the scenes, yeah. honestly. They're just, what else? Exactly. So- you know, I, I like the medically complicated folks. So over time, you know, our flavor has become what you see on the interwebs. But if I'm honest with you, we have transplant clients, we have cancer clients, we have pretty much everything. We've got kids. I've got a ton of little kids with mold toxicity mm. and histamine stuff. I've got ages five to 95 really is what we see. Uh, yes, a lot of gut, a lot of hormone, a lot of all the things you see online, but also pretty much everything you don't. We also do see eating disorders. Um, but on the interwebs, if you help everybody, you help nobody. So you know, we focus in the areas that really do act as the epicenter for the rest of, you know, the being, which is the gut, the hormones, the allergy, the gut lining, the environmental toxicity. Um, environmental illness is one of our biggest issues these days um, and will continue to be forever forward. So that's sort of like how it started. I now have a team of nine people who work with me. So like, that's also really fun, fabulous. and takes up a lot of my time. Um, and no, I can't, we can't, I can't help as many people as I want to, right. if it's just me. So, um, you know, we're going to continue to grow and expand so that we can help as many people as possible. Amazing. So, ma so many things in there because, so I actually love when patients come to me, uh, the, the patient that I get sitting in front of me is absolutely always the patient that's like, I've been everywhere. I've seen everybody and nothing is helping. Yeah. And I still feel like garbage. And what I love yeah. about that is that they've crossed everything conventional off yeah. where they've had all the imaging. These patients have had endoscopies and colonoscopies and upper GI, lower GI, all these imaging and all of these non-diagnoses. And it helps me because I'm like, hey, it's not any of that. So what is it? And actually, so I actually like that a lot. And patient, unfortunately for the patient, of course, they're at the point where they're so frustrated because they've been through the ringer and not had answers. But then, and I'm sure this is you too, but then I come around and I'm like, okay, you've collected data points for me. And all of this is quote negative. Mm. 
where are the missing puzzle pieces? Where are the holes? That is what I'm looking for. And that, I mean, and it tends to be really easy for y'all to fix. <laughs> That's the thing. I say this all the time too. Complicated cases. When I get my eyeballs on something, I'm like, bro, look at this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Of course you feel yeah. way. And sometimes, um, how could you miss this thing, right? Did you yes. even talk to the patient? Did you talk to the patient? Um, well, and I'm like, but they told you that their hair was falling out and they can't get out of bed in the right. morning. Right, or... So that's pretty much yes, I need right. Or when patients come <laughs> and they bring me labs and I'm like, Hey, did anybody go over these yeah. labs with you? And they're like, no, not at all. I have no idea what this means. They said it just looks all normal. And I sit there with a fine tooth comb and nitpick every little marker. And it's just, it's about right. not putting patients in that box and saying, well, you look fine. Everything looks okay. Yeah. But rather being like, no, you have symptoms. I honor and respect and hear you that you have those symptoms. Yeah. So we are going to go find out why. And I think right. something that you mentioned before we started recording yeah. is I think for me, like my, I work in this field because I struggled with Lyme disease for so long. And until I turn to functional medicine and it was eradicated and now I'm so much better, it allows me to have that compassion for patients who are struggling on a chronic level. And I just want to, don't yell at me. I just want to touch briefly on your, if you're comfortable with it, your history a little bit, because I think it validates who you are as a dietitian, the things that you struggled with. Yes, that's okay. I'm going to make sure we get her on for another episode and dive into all the nitty gritty <laughs> juicy things that I want to ask her about on another episode. Maybe not this episode, but you can go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, I can make I can make this short. The long and the short of it is that I was five years into my practice, um, wasn't was was starting. I mean, I was trained at Dana Farber Cancer Institute, um, which practices functional. The dietitians there practice functional medicine without actually calling it functional medicine mm -hmm. ten years ago. Okay, so I was trained. That's how I was trained. We talked about juicing, smoothies, supplements, gut, all the things. So when people say to me like, well, like. Who, how did you, and I was like, this is just how I think. So thankfully, five years into my practice, I, you know, there's always a little birdie in the background. It's like, you're unwell. You're not, you know, just stuff in the background, right? And you're like, no, I'm going to ignore you. Um, so I did. Um, I ended up with melanoma when I was 30 and I was on ADD meds. I'd been on them for 25 years. And I was like, something's not right here. Um, so I was like, maybe I need to start working on getting off of the ADD meds. And I did, it took me a full year to get off of the ADD meds and actually be okay with it. Um, I'd been on them every single day since I was 12 and I was 32, it was 20 years, I had 20 years, every single day of my life without a break. Um, as I started to come down off of them, I started to get new anaphylactic allergies. I'd never had anaphylaxis ever in my life. Um, and my labs were perfect. My IgE level was, I don't know, 10. Um, I had no, um, no IgE response to mold, to any of the things, but had to carry an EpiPen in my bag because I was getting like horrible chest tightness. So fast forward, at some point I figured out that there was mold that I couldn't see because when I'd leave the apartment, it's what we were living in the city at the time. When I'd leave the apartment, I'd feel better. When I'd come back, my face would be like mm. literally this color, beet red. Um, and it was like the body heat. I would lie awake at night and like my body would just like throb. And so, but again, this was 2018. So I think in the last 
five, six years, there's a lot more talk mm-hmm. about mold toxicity and all of that. Um, at the time, you know, okay, we, we figured out there was mold in the apartment, but we moved. I was better, but not, not measurably better. Um, I did some, I started to do, once I got a mold urine test, I started to do all the work on that and, and everything started to get better. My allergies actually went away, but I wasn't perfect. So after I got COVID, after we got married, um, I went to see a long COVID specialist because mm. I ended up with long COVID. Um, and, uh, turns out I was like filling out her paperwork. She's a Lyme specialist. Also, she gives me like a Lyme intake questionnaire, the MSIDS, um, Lyme intake questionnaire. And it's like 100%. So I like got on the call with her and I was like, so yeah. I think I might have Lyme disease. And she was like, looked at it and she's like, I think yeah. you might have Lyme disease. Um, so we did some deeper hygienics testing and everything mm. went up like a Christmas tree. Um, the, the, the anaphylaxis went away with my mold treatment. Um, this is like a very truncated version of it, but, um, the Lyme, you know, so it was Babesia. Babesia did not come up positive. Lyme did. We went through the Lyme piece. We then started to go through Babesia. That was like also lit up like a Christmas tree. Even with a negative test result, she knows, and we know that when you've been exposed to Lyme, you are more than likely, you know, exposed um, to a friend. She would know she's had 18 of them. 18. Lyme and 18 of his friends. So that's not a party you want. (laughs) Yeah. No. And I think that I'm. I'm waiting on a Bartonella, a Bartonella yeah. test currently because I can tell you yeah, Barty. something's not quite right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I got bitten again, you know, dogs. It just, yeah, it's just unfortunately a problem currently. These are, I think, old infections mm-hmm. that are just, you know, kind of being tickled still. And it's day by day. The cold plunge has been the most helpful thing I've done for myself in the last short, long, short, yeah. medium while. And in general, the most helpful thing I've done. Um, it helps keep things quiet, but you know, it's an ongoing process and I have to be super careful about just how I'm doing, you know, like what's my stress level, what's mm-hmm. my sleep, blah, blah, blah. Because it seems to like to kind of bubble up in the background when you're not quite yeah. taking care of those things. So it's like this little demon that's just waiting to come out at the perfect moment when you like really don't need it to come out kind yeah. of thing, which I'm yeah. sure, you know, yeah. um, but anyway, honestly, I'm super, super grateful for what I know. I'm super grateful to be able to sit on the other end of the phone and say to my clients, I know I actually yes. know how you feel. I'm super grateful to do what I do. I would not be where I am personally health wise if I didn't. Right. Do it. Absolutely. So it's a blessing in disguise, you know, for sure. Like I I appreciate every second of my journey because it's led me to where I am today to be able to help my patients and sympathize with them when nobody else understands when everybody else, it doesn't look like you're sick. So everybody else is like, well, you look fine. Your labs look fine. And you know, in your core that you have been that person that has been told that it makes you such a better practitioner. And I'm, I'm biting my tongue as you were talking the whole time, because I, I see a lot of Lyme patients by default. And one of the things I want to say this as a general ask, yeah. general rule of thumb, not diagnosing you, but I've seen in clinic COVID as such a huge activator for yes. that Borrelia burgdorferi. Yeah. It's, oh, I mean, yeah. it's undeniable. Oh, yes. That 100%. long COVID is a ridiculous term for just oh, some yeah. sort of autoimmune dysfunction that has awoken. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. One hundred percent. I 
you know, and I'm, I, I see this, you see, you guys see this. It's just, it's a magnifying glass, right? It's a magnifying glass for other stuff in the background, whether it's, it kind of highlights your Achilles heel. I find whatever that Achilles heel is, whether it's gut stuff yes, or hormone exactly. stuff, you know, or Lyme stuff or just underlying garbage. Um, when somebody says to me, like, I really didn't struggle through COVID and I really like had it pretty easy and I feel pretty good after I'm like, in, in my mind, I'm like, oh, you like kind of must be squeaky clean in there. Yeah. And if that's the case, because it didn't ignite, it didn't ignite any, you know, forest fires that were just back there smoldering, waiting to be exactly lit up. It's not always, easy, but you know, in, in my mind, I sort of have like a little checkbox. I'm like, okay, so they got through COVID. They were all right. Check, mm -hmm. you know? Um, cause it kind of does. Like that. It does a hundred percent. And I am, we are not digressing further than that. Look at me staying on topic because we <laughs> have some gut health things to talk about. And yes. so this month is all about gut health. It, whatever. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but yes, we, we wanted to bring you on to talk more specifically about gut health. And I think, I mean, especially with your history of mold toxicity, you know, full, firsthand, how activating that is for your mast cells, which hence why you're going into anaphylactic shock or anaphylactic reactions with when you never had allergies previously. So when you are, when we're talking about allergies or mast cell activation syndrome or whatever, we want to slap just too much histamine as what is the first thing that you like to educate yeah. clients on? as a relationship between allergies yeah. and gut health? So one of the things that I find, and you probably do too, is that when somebody walks in or walks in, steps into my <laughs> Zoom room, um, and they're like, you know, rattling off what they're experiencing, it's not always cut and dry. Histamine is not mm -hmm. always cut and dry at all. In fact, it almost isn't ever. And the list of symptoms that you might be experiencing feel like one's from Venus and one is from Mars. So how could these things possibly be related? Um, so the first thing I'm doing always is, you know, ascertaining what are these symptoms these per this person is experiencing? Um, to what foods, trying to kind of get a gauge, is there any possibility that this is at all histamine related? Because sometimes it can be super in your face and sometimes it can be super kind of just like tickling the surface, right? And people can have the same intensity of reaction, but it can feel different. It doesn't always look the same between two people, right? And so, um, especially when somebody has a history of any anaphylactic allergy, I already know that there's a histamine problem in place, right? Right. Um, whether they've had it as a child or not, I'm, I'm already expecting that we might be looking at histamine, a, a different flavor of, of mm -hmm. that reaction, um, you know, kind of in the foreground. Um, all those folks with acid reflux, all those folks who lie awake at night with the restless legs, or they're having trouble with their heart rate, you know, kind of being more elevated or jumping around. Um, you know, or the gut people, right? So what, how I explain it to people very simply is that we have mast cells that release histamine. Histamine is a kind of, uh, an important part of a lot of different processes in the body, but when we have too much mm -hmm. of it, it becomes a problem, right? It's that pesky neighbor that we have too much of it. It's a problem. And when we don't, and we process it properly, your cup doesn't overflow. It's all right. Um, 
there's usually something in the background that's pushing on the mast cells to yes. produce too much histamine. And also some people do not do as good of a job mm -hmm. of breaking it down, right? So in some cases we have an issue where there's both, something's pressing on and something's, you know, and we're just not, we're not processing, we're not detoxing them as well or moving them through our detoxification pathways or however we want to, you know, kind of relay that. But that's like yeah. very baseline. With women premenopausal, um, histamine will also be tickled by hormone <laughs> fluctuations. So I also, I'm always asking, do you find that these symptoms are worsened around your period or around, you know, how do they, how does this flow? It can be particularly ugly around mm -hmm. menopause as well. And of course can continue post-menopause, but I find a lot of times it's a pre-menopausal um, intensification. Oftentimes things kind of quiet down a bit after menopause. It's not perfect, but it, I find that it's better. And it's, you know, for layman's terms, it's literally something that your body is overproducing that you're mm -hmm. not getting rid of fast enough and how it shows up looks different from person to person. Absolutely. So back up for a second. Thing, you made a great point, and I explain this to patients all the time too. Little mm -hmm. mast cells, they break apart, they produce histamines, and sometimes we cannot gobble up that histamine like a little Pac-Man. We can't gobble it up quick enough. We actually have to tell the mast cells to sit down, and if those guys are overactive, then we need to know why. And things that I see overreacting those mast cells, yep. mold is huge, obviously. Candida or other fungal infections, huge. Um, I will obviously, yes, food allergies, but we're yep. not just born with food allergies. So why are you allergic to all, you know, all these different foods, right? Parasites can be right. a big one. What else in your yep. world do you see activating yep. those little mast cellies? Mm -hmm. uh, H. pylori can be a, can be a problem. Um, like I said, these hormones, surging hormones, which of course can be also, it's a two-way arrow, right? Between the hormones and the histamine, the arrow goes both ways. Um, various different bacteria that would show up positive in a stool yeah. test, sometimes lactobacillus in excess can cause um, histamine. Sometimes escherichia, excuse my, per, my, I say my different every time, pronunciation, <laughs> can cause um, histamine. We say complicated words. You know, um, uh, Klebsiella might be cause it might, might be behind the back in the background too. But I, you know, what's interesting. I usually don't find that those, so, so the amount of patients that I get back a positive Klebsiella test, I don't find that that alone is powerful enough to create a massive wash of histamine, right? I'm not seeing that somebody with a Klebsiella situation in itself is coming back to me with a histamine problem. I'm really not. Um, as part of a bigger picture, right? We might see the Klebsiella might be part of the part of the picture, but I think it's oversimplification for people out there. I see some doctors and people saying, oh, Klebsiella might be causing your histamine problems. Eh, probably not in itself. Right. There's probably other stuff going on. H. pylori, maybe. Yeah. H. pylori, maybe. Um, lactobacillus, maybe. Um, but Klebsiella is part of the bigger picture. Yes, Klebsiella also causes urinary mm -hmm. tract infections as well in some cases and just other just dysbiosis. Parasites, yes. You know, people are obsessed. also obsessed with parasites. Yeah. I, right. If you're alive, you have parasites. I would tell you though, if I could give you like a, an Excel spreadsheet of tests I order or supplements I have people order, 
you know, parasites are here and stuff related to mold and environmental illnesses over here. You're going to see the environmental mm -hmm. illness and, and all that kind of stuff light up a lot faster than the parasites. I usually exhaust most other things, find candida yeah. and fungal issues a lot sooner than I do. You know, I'm not putting people on crazy parasite cleanse that often. If, if I need to, I will. But that's kind of like last thing I do, unless somebody came to me and said, look, I have recurrent parasites and I know that this right. has been a problem or my pet has recurrent parasites, but I'm not jumping to that. I'm really not um, upfront. I'm doing other stuff first because I find that often it's the other things, you know, the parasites, we probably could, most of us could use yeah. a parasite cleanse, but I don't know. You know, if they're like really bad bloating, really bad constipation, plus all the things, I'm still probably going to treat for candida, look for H. pylori and other stuff before I'm going to jump. Yeah, I totally agree because you know? people forget that parasites are part of a normal microbiome. So people have totally become obsessed yes. with doing parasitic cleanses. And yes, okay, great. One or two per year, very gentle. If you're doing them appropriately, sure, we can all benefit from that. But it's very rare that I find just a parasite being the root cause of all of these patients, you know, problems yeah. or, or symptoms that they're coming to us with. So I completely, I completely agree Same. with you there. I do in terms of histamine and allergies out front, like let's say I have a, a baby or a kid with severe eczema, which is all rooted in histamine, right? The second they walk through my door, I'm putting them on an antihistamine with an, an anti candida or antifungal little protocol while I'm doing a stool test. My, my instinct goes directly to our gut nearly 100% of the time. That kiddo's eczema is stemming from GI issues. I see it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that's, you know, I don't know, just again, the, par the, the, the parasite freakouts that I'm getting mm -hmm. from people. And I'm like, can we just like look at the other things? first and then we can address the parasites, right? I had somebody get really angry at me not so long ago. You know, I had this person come to me and look at my belly and say, oh, you have parasites. Um, and I was like, what was that person's training? Anyway, fast forward, she had mold toxicity. We went, we did the parasite thing because I was like, look, it's harmless. I'll give you two. I'll give you mm -hmm. mimosa pudica. Let's just, let's just do it. It didn't fix the problem. It was totally the mold. When she happened to move, which was fortuitous, everything yeah. changed. And I was like, I just want to remind you that you've literally moved recently and everything that we were having trouble with. So I really want you to consider going back to that old place that you're renovating right now and having that thoroughly checked because I think that's actually yeah. your and So the, the moral of the story here is don't get crazy for the parasites. They are maybe a problem, but they're not your first right. issue. And there, there's so many moving pieces to it too because when you think about mast cell or histamine or the things that could cause those is they're all opportunistic. So you take mold, for example, it's an opportunistic species. If you don't address it, it's going to snowball and it's going to make your reactivity to other normal things much more elevated. So I will see and I'll see mold toxicity in a lot of patients who suffer with severe histamine reactivities. And it's because that that underlying issue is there. And now every time I consume a blueberry or a piece of chicken or half a banana or whatever, my reactivity is grow and grow and grow. And now I'm covered in hives or now I'm covered in eczema or now I'm limited to three foods and you know EOE and all these different things. 
And like I said before, we're not born just allergic to those foods. There is usually an underlying cause as to something that's triggering that mast cell response. And I agree with you, H. pylori, right. mold, underlying, even more systemic infections can absolutely, you know, play a, a part yeah. in that. What you got to say about all this? I, I mean, I, I'm still sensitive to mold and I haven't yeah. been in an environment. We had, we had black mold in our house under our carpet and behind some bookcases. And I remember mm. telling my husband, I'm like, there's mold in the house. He's like, there's mold in every house. I said, no, it is. I mean, it seriously messed with my brain. I had to move in with my parents while he was renovating our downstairs. Cause it was just like, even then it took me a long time to recover because I don't trust. Yeah. I mean, I will walk into a place now and if there's mold or mildew, like I, it hits me in the face like a brick wall. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I can't be in here for very long. I've got to be. So I, you know, I, I stay away and I don't have carpet in my house. Like I, we have rugs that I can clean and mm -hmm. replace if needed, but I don't, I won't do carpet. I won't do carpet again. So no. with your, with your paint, you're, you're kind of going down your like little not, I shouldn't say little, I was going to say your little thought process, but your thought process, not little, it's beautiful and big, um, <laughs> with going down your thought process with a client, let's say they come to you with these allergies and, or mass activation or, or whatever that in your assessment and kind of talking to them, you feel that's the route that you need to go to. What is then your, without giving too much away, because obviously if they need more, they need to come work with you, but what is like your top three pieces of advice for these type of, of clients that you can give us away for free right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I'm like super, look, um, I'm like, I'm not like, oh my gosh, like I can't give you any information. I'm happy to like tell you exactly what I would do because, you know, I'm, it's useful. So 100% of the time in these people, if I'm like, oh my gosh, I think that this is a histamine problem. We try and shut down the histamine response as fast as possible, get these people a little bit of relief and help to just take the inflammatory cycle down a notch because chances are these people have been struggling for quite some time. Um, and, you know, I want to give them relief stat. So though I hate to do this, it does make a big difference. I will usually put people on a low histamine diet pretty mm -hmm. readily. And I might give them like a diamine oxidase and a quercetin, you know, pretty, pretty rapidly. And then while I'm doing that, I'm going to test and see what, what's up. If I think it's an environmental, I'll do an environmental test. Sometimes I'll do a gut mm -hmm. animal test. Um, the hormones are probably part of the problem, but they're not causing the problem. The other things are. So we'll usually like not, I'm not as I say to my clients all the time, I'm going to go for your gut first or your environmental issue first before I'm going to start monkeying mm -hmm. with your hormone stuff because the hormone stuff will respond to the rest of the things right. we're looking at anyway. So let's just like, you know, everybody wants to do a Dutch test and I'm like, just, just slow your roll, please. Let's try and look at the other things because those things will affect this. And then if we still need to look at the hormonal piece, we can, but it's never the mm -hmm. first place I look. Absolutely. That makes total sense. And because if y'all didn't listen to our last episode, you need to, because we, we touched on this quite a bit. It's just how our gut health impacts our hormonal health directly and not necessarily. I mean, there's always two way streets, right? But it always yeah. 
typically starts within the GI tract. And if there's something going on, it's going to impact those hormones and how you absorb those hormones or utilize those hormones or excrete those hormones. And people really forget about that. So when we, when we think about gut health specifically and, and reducing something you said earlier was, okay, there are things that kind of push those mast cells and, and prompt them, right? And we kind of went through that environmental mold, you know, candida, H. pylori, infections, overgrowth, things like that. But on the other side, there are mechanisms that help to break down that histamine a little bit and a lot takes place within the GI tract. Could you please feel free to elaborate a little bit more on that and what that process looks like, what helps it, what hurts it, et cetera. So there's a really cute little, um, well, there's a couple things, but the one I'm thinking of is this really cute little enzyme called diamine oxidase, which is in the intestine, which, um, does a beautiful job of helping to break down histamine in our food. I actually would be willing to say to you, and I see this not only in my own experience, but in my clients as well, I find, and this is an off-label benefit, that when people are using diamine oxidase, it helps to bring down total histamine levels Oh, I agree with you, 100%. Uh, not just in yeah. the food that they're eating, but just it measurably mm-hmm. brings down histamine levels in general. So, I mean, I was like, I was like, I was like guzzling these things when I was in the middle of this myself. I was just like mm-hmm. hand over fist, um, you know, and they, the diamine oxidase, the Dow enzyme made the biggest difference for me. Quercetin is lovely and was always very helpful. Mm-hmm. It's a natural antihistamine, helps to break down histamine um, in the body. We like it, we use it, we love it. But the Dow was, is, and was one of my favorite tools in bringing down not only food-based histamine, but also total histamine levels. It helps mm-hmm. to digest histamine. But remember, and I said this to a client the other day, we are always digesting. There is 30 feet of intestine or more. And so there's always food sitting in there, right? Things are fermenting, things are moving. You know, so I say to my clients, look, take the diamine oxidase. If you forget to take it with a meal, just take it when you remember. Mm-hmm. There's always digestion going on. And frankly, not want, you're not going to get diarrhea if you take too much of it. it nothing bad is going to happen. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But frankly, it's one of the more helpful things I've been giving people. So I love to use that to just mm-hmm. help to support the digestive process, but also the overall process. I have a question about quercetin because that was one of my favorites when I was getting blood transfusions and iron because it'd make me really itchy. So when I was taking hands over fists of that pink antihistamine and my hair was falling out. So don't know if it was because I was taking so much of that or if it was the lupus on top of everything else that I was dealing with. But quercetin is in my go-to bag Mm -hmm. for everything. So I have a question. How would you give it to a little kid? Because... The pills are like that. There, you mix it. There's mix it with stuff. There's well, I right. You can either right. microdose it with straight up quercetin, or I tend to use little combinations of yep. like. There's awesome chewables that are quercetin, singing nettle, knack, vitamin E, D, all kind of wrapped up into one bromelain in little okay. chewables that are okay. awesome natural antihistamines. Yeah, is that for the moms that go die free? This is another option, even yeah. further than that, is to use this for those instances where. 
you know, it's a bug bite or something mm-hmm. that like, especially a little kid, because I know that they work and I know that it's safe. I use DHIS Junior a lot. I mean, we have it in the house by orthomolecular or springboard, whatever their kid version ortho is. Um, I like that combination a lot. But something that I think is important to yeah. make connect the little dots here is that you can have all the tools to break down the histamine that you want. But if you are not getting rid of the trigger behind why it's being overproduced, then now you're just stuck in this cycle of what's different than having to rely on a natural antihistamine versus having to rely on a drug, right? It's getting more to the root of it and saying, okay, but why is your system overreactive? What is causing this overreactivity here? And nipping that in the bud, but in the meantime, giving you things to really calm your system down. Let's get out of the amp pile. Let's stand up and brush it off. Exactly. It makes a difference. Oh, difference. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It makes a difference to just help to slow down the inflammatory process in the body. It just creates space where there otherwise doesn't seem to be a yeah. whole lot of it. And these people, this has been building for some time and it's pretty uncomfortable. If you guys out there listening haven't experienced this one, you know, firsthand, it's pretty uncomfortable you don't feel well, you might have mood swings, you might have gained weight, you might be having your hair might be falling out, you might be, um, you know, having that red face I referred to before this this Mm -hmm. body heat, you know, trouble with lymphatic drainage, anxiety, rapid heart rate, chest tightness, all sorts of stuff. And so even just providing a little bit of relief here can make the biggest difference in the world. I would say I would go out on a limb here to say that the most reactive histamine foods are citrus, lemon, lime, Mm -hmm. orange, peppers of all types, bell peppers, chili peppers, paprika. People forget about that one. Ashwagandha also can be in that nightshade family. So people with histamine intolerance and molds and blah, 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 might be not tolerant of ashwagandha. Because ashwagandha is that stress reducer. I couldn't tolerate it. Right? And I was... So people are going and, and taking it to yeah. reduce the stress. Yeah. And um, what's the word? Correct. Like it, it's, adap- it's an adaptogen. So it can either key you up in the morning yeah. it's an or help you relax at night. But if it's in that nightshade family and you're sensitive, it's going to light you up. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. Like a Christmas tree. So you want to use one that doesn't have mm-hmm. ashwagandha in it. So uh, restorative formulations makes one called Adrenal Adrenal PX Balance, which is my favorite product out there. And it doesn't have any ashwagandha in it. So um, favorite, favorite. But um, so so the citrus, the peppers, and I would say avocado is a big one for people with the histamine issues going on. Um, And... Of course, the old, the the the, the vinegars, yeah. the fermented foods, and the old foods. Those are really the big ones. I really don't see people react to spinach. Honestly, it's very rare, and I really don't see people react too much to potatoes. So if you're out there and you're like, which ones do I start with? This list is really enormous. I would start with the ones that I just mentioned. Um, you know, Mexican food is like kryptonite mm-hmm. for histamine people. It is literally like worst, worst, very worst. So try and stay away from Mexican food if you can. Um, or like, you know, there's plenty of hacks now if you, uh, you know, search on the interwebs of like how to make low histamine Mexican food. But um, I would start with that and see if that gets you a little bit of space. Also, it's a great self-experiment to see if that's actually what's tickling mm-hmm. the problem. 
And then of course you can't live on a low histamine diet because it's terrible for your microbiome. We need that food diversity, but it gives you some understanding of what's creating some of the problem or at least the pathway that it's in so that you can make some moves forward, find a practitioner, work with them to actually fix the root cause and then re-liberalize. So can right. we tell them the timeline? Cause I, I know that like saying, Hey, go on a low histamine diet. Well, how long I do I have hate to that question as a practitioner. Do, how long do I have to remove it? <laughs> Wait. Well, cause it's, it's true. Like I'm chopping her. Everyone who's watching and I'm chopping her. I I will allow this question, but as a practitioner, this question is the bane of my existence because everybody is unique. There is no set time frame to how long something will take, how long you'll you'll feel better, how long it'll take to get rid of this. Like obviously as practitioners, we have a basis of okay, we might need to be on this protocol six to eight weeks. But every, I get this question every single day in practice, and yeah. I'm like, only God knows. <laughs> like, I am not. I am not that. Literally, I'm like, I need you to just sit in this discomfort, um, and I need you to stop <laughs> asking me these questions. No, I'm not I that am. mean. But sometimes I'll have to pull out that. Um, <laughs> sometimes I'll have to pull. I'll have to pull it out. If people keep asking me these questions, I'm like, can you just like, please just sit in it for a minute? I know it's not your usual. However, what I will say about the histamine stuff is that it does react in a good way mm -hmm. pretty quickly. So um, I, what I do find is because it does have a, a trigger, you know, like a lactose intolerance or any other kind of, right? If we remove the trigger, which is in this case, the food, for example, um, it's not going to fix the problem, but you might notice a lot of relief and and quickly. Sometimes I have to bargain with people um, and the bargain is give me a handful of days to try this. I know it seems overwhelming, but if, it, if not in a handful of days, it doesn't feel better and you've truly given it your best, then this is probably not the problem, but I just so want to try it. That on, on my front is usually it's so... There's so many moving pieces to it that when a patient asks, you know, do I need to follow a low histamine diet or would that benefit, even if you don't outwardly feel it, if we are looking for triggers as to what is enhancing that mast cell production, then I don't want you adding any fuel to your fire. We need to remove any of these little tiny, like it, it might not be the root cause, right? You eating an avocado, every other day might not be the root cause, but if we can reduce that histamine content and give your body a little bit more space yep. while we fix these underlying issues, yep. that is beneficial. Right. And patients do get frustrated and they do get annoyed 100%. with the process. And You know, you didn't get here yesterday. This wasn't a yesterday to today problem. This was like a long time in the making. And just like me, you ignored your problems until you couldn't anymore. Where I'm human too. We're all humans here. Um, but it's going to take some time. It takes a year to heal a gut. It does. It just does. And the histamine experience is so detrimental to the lining of the gut, to the health of the microbes, to the inflammatory process. It's just going to take time. Now, that, that does not mean it's going to take a year right. for you to feel better. The good news about histamine stuff is when we catch it and we see it and we acknowledge it, we shut mm -hmm. it down pretty fast. So there's a lot of benefit to it being a histamine problem. But on the same at the same point, um, it does take some time. So if you really want to get better, I'm I'm a bit of a stickler 
I require people to meet with me on a weekly basis mm -hmm. if they want to work with me. And if they don't, I kick them <laughs> off my schedule. Um, but I am I'm the like, mean one. <laughs> I am like, look, if you want to come in and yeah, I'm like, if you want to get the work done, let's get it done. And if you don't, then come back you when you're ready. You have to show up for yourself. If I'm you know, showing up like, for you and you don't show up for yeah. yourself, then what? I'm not, I don't need to do anything. I got yeah. other things I can do. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I will see, yeah. to your point, I will see increase in, in well, no, I should say a decrease. I will see a decrease in GI symptoms pretty drastically when we hit histamine. I would say the longest yeah. thing that I see changing is going back to like my eczema yeah. kids or eczema adults. Skin will clear up, but the itchiness yeah. will be kind of the last thing. And it makes sense. Yeah. Our skin is our yeah. biggest organ. It's a reflection of what's going on on the inside. And so if we're not at the point where we're healed inside, then our skin isn't going to be healed. Mm -hmm. So in terms of your question 27 minutes ago <laughs> of time frame, I will see big improvements in gut health yes. pretty immediately, but slower improvements over time with the skin for sake of example. I mean, I just want to help set realistic expectations as well from a patient yeah. side of I, I mean, we live in the give it a prescription, make it go, make the symptom go away, but that never fixes the problem, which is not what we do here. We go and go to the root of the problem and fix it. And that takes time. Like it was with gluten. Like I can't have American gluten because I'm allergic to the pesticides and glyphosate, glyphosate, all the things on it. So not the gluten protein itself. Cause when I go to Italy or Europe, I can eat, I'll eat gluten all day long for a week yeah. and have no problem. Like my joints don't hurt, nothing happens, but that takes eight weeks for that process to get out of your body. So with other triggers that like, it's just something to know that, Hey, it does. I like that knowing it takes a year to fully mm -hmm. heal a gut. And that's with doing as much as you can to protect your gut yeah. and connect it back to your brain and all the other things in the systemic and the, the nervous system and all of those things, because these, all these parts and pieces move together. So I think that that's very beneficial of, yes, you're going to start feeling better, but for, I'm not even on my healing journey yet. I'm still dealing with all of my bugs and viruses and all of my, all of my stuff. Right. So I'm not even to the place where I can really get into all of my healing modalities. And that for me, that's been a little frustrating because I've been in the hurt for so mm -hmm. long. It's, I get on the, on the, it is. And it is. And, um, I think it's important to look at like the, the teeny mm -hmm. tiny things, the teeny mm -hmm. tiny things along the way. I think we look for the big things and we have to stay very yeah. on point. And it's not going to be like once the brain fog clears, it never comes back. But are there three days in a row without brain fog in a sea of 10? You know, like what what exactly are we measuring? And I think sometimes we expect it's yeah. just going to go back to like, you know, no problem, normal. And it's just that's just not, not how it works. So if we can be with it on that and just also accept that it's going to take some time to move. Yeah, 100%. That's why on a someone who has been through that journey and on the other side, but then as a practitioner, I, the first appointment with patients, I yeah. chart like a maniac. I write down, I quote things. I write down every little tiny thing that you feel, whether how, whether you think it's minuscule yeah. or not, because I want to be able to go back 
and ask you about that three months from now and for you to be like, oh, wow, I forgot about that because we're so used to dealing with a hundred different symptoms that we forget about five that we just knocked off. And it's really, really empowering for patients to be able to hear that again and be like, wow, I forgot about that. No, that's, that's totally gone. Hey, baby steps. We're making progress here. And when you're miserable and in it, you think that you'll never forget how you feel Mm -hmm. and how bad it hurts and how, like you do, you do forget, you do progress and get forward. And it's, it's different. The, the fatigue is different now than it was two years ago. Like I am not as tired as I was then, but I'm still tired and I, uh, I appreciate the tiredness that I am now. It's a spectrum. Yeah. So uh, if you're out there, discover that's what's, that's what's happening. Write it down, get your binder out for all of you now that have a binder. So I love when I try to watch Anna Kate and her thoughts like connect and they're so close to connecting, but not quite there yet. Not quite there. it's all you know what the more data the more helpful um i have like a little running note in my phone of all the things that i experience and feel and um yeah i mean it's just a running list and tally and it helps me you know because i'll forget you know if from day to day, I think also the mind, um, you know, tries to bury or forget or whatever. And it's just helpful to kind of keep, keep, keep an image on what's going on. Um, so yeah, I just, I think it's helpful to just kind of keep a running tab of what's, of and what's it helps going to keep on. it objective. If you look back and you, cause you can do positives and not so positives. So it helps keep your brain in check too. That's right. like, when you start to slip down that that slope, that very slippery slope of when you're used to being chronically ill, of that negativity and it all starts seeping in, you you have yeah. that then ability to go back and be like, wait, okay, on this day, like I felt good. I had good energy. It's there. It's just not quite every day yet, but it was there <laughs> and I'll take it, you know? And it was exactly. Yeah. Like it, it will, it will come, come back. back. Yeah. Which I think is it's very important. Yeah. We, we digressed quite a bit. I digest, but we're going to have this I mean, month is gut health guys. We do need to have Isabel back on to, to discuss all of the other things. All the lime. That, yeah. That we can really talk about really go into mold. I've had several questions mm-hmm. um, that people have asked me. So I want to go into that with Isabel as well. Um, yeah. on a future on a future episode so yes so many different things there but mm-hmm. kind of bringing it back circling it back and wrapping it up in terms of gut health get even unrelated to histamine just as in your expertise yeah as a registered registered dietitian give us your just top tips for anybody doesn't matter man woman child what are your top tips for somebody to maintain a healthy microbiome? Um, you got to feed the bugs. If you don't feed the bugs, they won't thrive. So we need, you know, various different types of fibers, you know, fresh, like, like raw, cooked, juiced, smoothies. The more variety you have, the better. The more variety in general you have, the better. Make sure you're pooping every day. If you're not pooping every day, then you're going to run into problems. 
Um, you know, the other thing, which I think is super important is an unfortunately not popular opinion is consider the role that alcohol is playing in your gut unhealth. We all love to drink. I do as well. Um, I gave it up at some point in the last number of months because my body just was not tolerating it with the, with the Lyme situation. Um, but it does wreak havoc on the, on the gut. You, you know, the other piece of it is I also think we live in a, in a place in a society where we're like, no bloating is okay, or no gas or no reflux. Our bodies are, 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 are beings, right? Like nothing is perfect. So I also don't think um, that expecting that things are completely smooth is, mm-hmm. is reasonable either. I think there's going to be some lumps and bumps and humps along the way. And I think tolerating that is also important. You know, it shouldn't be all the time. If it's an all the time thing, that's a problem. But it's okay for things to not be completely perfect. You're a living, breathing body. There's so many different things going on in your system. Um, you know, and the last thing I'll say is, you know, make sure that you're not eating all day long, that you're not grazing all day long. Um, you need to give your body space um, and you need to give your, you know, your food space um, so that your your food can digest and then your body, your, your gut can cleanse itself. That is so important and so underrated. I completely agree. Rest and digest so. is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gotta rest yes. in order to make the digestion happen. Rest is where the yes. growth happens as it's well. It's really, it's really, really important. So, so those are just the things that come to mind the very most for me. I love that. I, yeah, yeah, I love all that. Yeah, I've learned lots of I've learned lots of things in this episode as well. I have. So, where can our community, our discovery community, where can they find you? Where can they learn more information? Um, is there any special shout out that you want to give pertaining to yourself, your business, whatever that can just educate our community even further than you have? You know, um, you can find me at Isabel Smith Nutrition on Instagram. Um, we have a website with a ton of information and recipes and websites and all sorts of stuff. I mean, blogs and all sorts of things in there that you can check for resources. We have tons of great freebies in our link in bio and our Instagram, a fun gut health assessment, some great shopping lists and other things that might be useful. Um, we have lots of inf- information out there. And I have a podcast, which is the Well Fuel podcast. So um, I discuss all sorts of different things on there, too. So feel free to, you know, see if we have the information you need. If you don't reach out, we, you know, are always wanting to hear from people about what you guys want to be seeing. So um, that's the best place to find Amazing. We'll have everything listed in the show notes, y'all. So all the links to contact Isabel and, and just learn from her and continue to learn from her. And we just thank you so much for your time and for being with us. We have learned so much and I'm sure those who have listened are learning as well. And until Until next time. time. Oh, you copied me. All right, you ready? I'm ready. One, two, three. Let's Let's discover together. You've enjoyed this journey of exploration and learning as much as we have. Before you go, we have a special request for you, our beloved discoverers. We'd be thrilled if you could show your support in a few easy steps. Step one, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit that like button and subscribe to our channel. Don't forget to ring that notification bell so you never miss a moment of discovery. Step two, if you're listening via Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review our show. Your feedback means the world to us and helps others discover our podcast too. Step three, 
Whether you're on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcast platform, please share the Discovery Doc podcast with your friends, family, and social networks. It's the best way to spread the joy of discovery. And finally, don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Discovery Doc. Stay connected with us for updates, behind-the-scenes content, and so much more. Plus, for exclusive content and additional resources, be sure to check out our website at www.thediscoverydoc.com. And while you're there, if you have a burning question or a topic you'd like us to discuss on the show, simply let us know. Thank you, Discoverers, for being part of our incredible journey. Until next time, let's discover together. The content provided in this podcast provides general information and discussions on various topics related to health, wellness, and medical advancements. However, it is essential to understand that the content provided in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The hosts, guests, and contributors are individuals sharing their personal experiences, opinions, and knowledge in their respective fields. While they strive to provide accurate, up-to-date information, medical knowledge is constantly evolving and the information presented in this podcast may not always reflect the most current research and medical guidelines. It is crucial to consult with a qualified healthcare professional or medical expert for specific medical concerns. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking medical treatment based on the information presented in this podcast. The Discovery Doc Podcast encourage listeners to use their own judgment and discretion while implementing any suggestions, recommendations, or lifestyle changes discussed in this episode. Each individual's medical situation is unique and may work for one, may not be suitable or safe for another. The podcast hosts, guests, and contributors are not liable for any direct, indirect, consequential, or incidental damages or harm that may arise from listening or acting upon the information provided in this podcast. Listeners are responsible for their own health decisions and should exercise caution and seek professional guidance when necessary. By listening to this podcast, you acknowledge that you have read, understood, and agreed to this medical disclaimer. If you have any questions or concerns about this medical disclaimer, please consult a qualified healthcare professional.